Hi everybody, welcome to Imagination Revolution UBI. Uh, this delightful episode was recorded back in January with my old friend Sharon Pink, and it got a little bit, uh, I had some sound glitches, and so it took me a long time to actually get through all of the processes of getting it ready to air, so um, take note that there are some references to upcoming events which have come and gone at this point. Um, but I want to thank Sharon again for recording this with me, um, and I want to invite anyone who is listening who you know, feels called to participate in a conversation like the one you're about to hear, uh, get in touch. My email address is k-o-r-i-d-o-t-y at gmail.com. You can also find me at web my website, corydoty.com, or you can find me on Patreon, which is a great way to support the work of this show, as well as other creative endeavors that I have going on. Uh, and you can find me on Patreon, same name, K-O-R-I-D-O-T-Y. And of course, you can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts, and it always makes a huge difference uh, if you like it, share it, tell your friends about it. Um, and like I said, I'm always looking for more folks who want to share about their vision of what life could look like if their basics were covered. So uh, enjoy the show and be in touch. Being into sitting with me this morning and talking about future dreaming, um, it's really Yeah, thanks great. to many of us, maybe all of us, I don't know if I can say all of us, to be having right now. Um, yeah, really like excited about it. So yeah, thank you. Sweet. All right, would you care to introduce yourself to people who haven't known you for 15 years? Fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, fifteen years. Um, yeah, my name's Sharon Pink. Um, I live on Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, um, and Scowlitz uh, territory, um, which is two different areas. Um, I spend my time between those places, um, and I don't know. I'm a witch, and amongst um, many things. Um, my lineage is from um, Poland and Portugal. Um, I'm a leather femme, and uh, yeah, I think that's a good start. Um, yeah. um, do you want to say your do name? Do you want to say your name? Oh, did I not say my name? Sorry, whoopsies. Sharon Pink. <laughs> and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you for introducing yourself and telling folks about some of what you bring to the conversation. So you said you've heard other people's pondering on the question, what would life look like or what would your look li life look like in this imaginary circumstance where our basic needs are covered? So what is your vision? <laughs> um, I think my vision is to just be like fully every day, um, living truly in like the I see it as like the witch's wheel of the year and really being actually in sync with the places um, that I am in and also the places where I'm like my lineage is connected to um, yeah like the first thing I thought about was actually just about like um, gardening and like my partner has um, quite a lot of like um, space at their home for gardening and it's something that like I 
I didn't grow up like gardening or knowing about it and just like learning about it in little bits and just actually thinking about like how um it's like bananas that I like live somewhere where I can like you know in January I can buy strawberries at the grocery store it's like that's that's not right um and so thinking about like actually being in sync with like yeah the land and place and just like yeah being in sync and so like the the which is essentially being in sync with the with the seasons and being in sync with what is actually like um natural in the in the land and places um uh that I am so that's sort of like one of like the the overall thing that I that I imagine um I yeah thought a lot about like just um actually having spaces to like gather with people where they could be um spaces that that could be possible like I thought about like rituals and dance parties and play parties and um just places to like share food and hang out and um and things that like I don't know even like literally like a place to gather and I think especially in COVID right now or with COVID happening that like places that actually could be like safe like I I truly have this like imagination of like this big gathering that's in this space that's so big that is also like uh covered but has like fresh air coming in and people have all their comfort and access needs taken care of and those things aren't like extra they're like actually just the way we you know we could do things and and ways to to be together um yeah I thought a lot about um like I spend a lot of time in my day job and um and I thought about like oh what would it be like to actually just like be doing what I do and I believe in the work that I do here but not doing it in a way that is like like even in my in my day job if I didn't have to think about like like if I if we all just were doing what needed to be done rather than being like oh well I have all this stuff that is actually like you know supporting communities to be in ways that I want them to be but then I spent all this time in my job doing like report writing and budgets and uh and so much stuff like I'm like oh my gosh to like reconcile a receipt that's like three dollars it costs like ten dollars you know like these things that I just I have such a hard time uh like I do them because I have to do them I guess and then it's you know it's the agreement to do the thing that I believe in um but yeah all these things that kind of get in the way um I yeah I thought a lot about like um like actually resting when my when my body and my spirit needs rest so like I have some um like kind of ongoing pain that I deal with that I'm often just like oh I gotta like throw that shit to the side because I have to like do this thing I have to do and um and things like I get really intense like menstrual cycles so it's like oh my god if I actually just got to just take that time and just sleep for three days you know or like rest and sleep and um yeah and I thought a lot about um like home and housing and like I'm 39 and I've been on my own since I was um 17 
and you know paying my own rent and I've never really had a place that I felt like kind of a hundred percent in and maybe my whole life actually for different reasons but um but I was like oh what would it be like to not worry about like where I'm actually gonna live and feel like I could belong somewhere or just like have the things I need there and it wasn't like a you know oh I have this thing in my home that is like working well but there's this other thing I feel like I like just have to put up with or kind of shrink myself or um uh you know not be too loud in a space or all these things were just kind of limiting um and yeah and so I don't know that's that's sort of some of the the thoughts that are that are first coming so yeah yeah, I, I mean, I feel like these things with your housing, like, what if we could have all of these things without needing to have the compromise points, uh, you know, as well as what you're saying about your day job, like, what if we could work at supporting community without reconciling receipts? Like, what if? Yeah, like, stuff that I'm like, oh my god, this is... Yeah, this is, like, so stupid. Like, oh my gosh, it's, like... And yeah, and all those bureaucracy of thinking too that like there's someone who's like, I don't know, like these corporations that are like, you need to tell us how you spend every cent. It's like, can I please buy a pen? You know, and it's like, well, you got to reconcile that receipt. And so it's, um, yeah, those things are, are uh, not ideal. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, these sorts of rules are also set up with like at least a double standard, like the people who are setting up the rules are not required to live by them? No, not at all. It makes me think about like taxes. Like if you, um, I could be saying this sort of wrong, but the general thing I understand is that if you owe money on your taxes, like you have to pay them by whatever date. I think it's like March 31st or something. But like if the government owes you money, you don't even need to file your fucking taxes. And it's like, Oh my God, like things like that, where it's just like absolute double standard and clearly who is benefiting. And then, yeah, I'm thinking about money and debt and, you know, all these things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the way we don't account for the cost, like the big picture of the labor of all the extra steps, like it's expected that if you need help in some way, there's this like sort of beggars can't be choosers attitude which of course relies on mythology of scarcity like the idea that there isn't enough to go around which just isn't true the worst yeah true and gosh like even literally like yeah thinking about homes where it's like oh there's not enough homes for people it's like that's not actually true like at all but it's like the the access to them how it's set up right now um yeah it's really like um I, I think a lot about like um you know oftentimes when I talk about like spirituality I'll talk about it as like for me it really feels like it's about belonging and so I think about like um this very practical piece around belonging is like actually having a home like a place that you feel and you really believe is like home to you and so I think about the like um the oh god I don't know if it's like spiritual violence of like not 
not having home or not feeling connected to home or and I know there's like a bigger you know bigger thing in there around like colonization and you know um and uh yeah that's just kind of a thought that's that's coming there too about like if we had these things and how we actually wanted them to be like what would they how, how could that help us feel like we belong here and exist here and um yeah and it's I'm kind of going on a this is how my brain works. It's going, it's like pew, 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 all these different ideas. Um, and I'm thinking about like how, you know, like, and, and I think obviously COVID has played into this and also like capitalism is playing into this where like I, you know, have um, I've had a lot of folks in my life pass away, some which are mutual beloveds to us. Um, and like just thinking about like like kind of learning from those truly of the thing of being like oh I need to like reach out to people or connect with folks or whatnot and um, and again I, I really feel like COVID has this has been a, a, a very challenging part of COVID um, and and also like you know I have a, a really dear friend of mine who's like in process with with MAID right now and that thing of being like, oh, I still feel like I'm like, you know, she's like, and obviously she's, she's, you know, she's in her own process with it. And I feel like my connection with her is like, oh, why am I not spending more time with her when I literally know her life is coming to an end at, you know, soon and soon is a, a vague term, but um, yeah. And so that's like an interesting thing to think about, like what sort of the the ultimate thing we don't want to miss out on, you know, personally is these connections with each other. And, um, yeah. So. I mean, considering the limitations of mortality is one of the things, like one of these costs, like what does it cost for us to carry on life in this way? Like, yeah, we do actually have limited time, like all of us as individuals, but also like, especially together particularly when people we care about are facing end of life like it it changes the cost of time okay so one of the pews that i saw you shoot out there and i know you got many further pews to run with but i'm wondering if you want to speak to what your process is or has been in coming to know that sense of home as someone with mixed ancestry and tension in that ancestry and places that you aren't necessarily sure that your queerness or your kinkiness or those things can exist and do exist like in the colonial context but maybe wouldn't reconcile as easily with you know like traditional catholic background um, totally yeah 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 um that's a that's oh my gosh now my brain is like going in many threads so i think about like um like I, my mom is Portuguese. Like she, she was born in Portugal and moved to um, uh, like these territories when she was a kid. She was about eight, and that's sort of the like cultural connection I felt more of a connection to. And then there's also just lots of disconnect around it. Um, and I think there's things. outside of like my 
family's way of, you know, um, like my blood family's way of understanding, um, I don't know, sort of the culture or how I, how I understand them through, through them, I guess. Um, and yeah, and there's things where, um, like, this is like a real, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and not be linear, but I'm just thinking right now about how, <laughs> like, about 15 years ago, I went on this trip to Thailand, or no, less than, no, maybe 15 years ago, I went on a trip to Thailand, and I went by myself, and I went there because I was, you know, it was like this place that I knew lots of people who traveled there, it's like cheap, you could go there by yourself, all these things, and I just thought about how it's like, like I'm so embarrassed about that trip and I'm like I know people lots of people have these things but it's like oh I'm going to go to this other culture that I have literally zero connection to and I'm going to go try to like find myself there or have this experience it's just like you know all the appropriation that happens and exploitation all these things so very very real things and it's like I was like oh my god why didn't I actually go to like Poland or Portugal and go have an experience that I could like actually be with my own lineage and it's like I think it just truly was a thing or it was like oh you can like yeah you can go to this place and it's so cheap everything's so cheap and this kind of like exploitive but and like um and as someone who doesn't have ancestral roots there um or any like current connection you know um so thinking about that and thinking about the fact that I've <clears throat> never been to these like to, to Portugal or Poland and um, so kind of the ways I've been like finding connections to them and also like as I as I get older thinking about like oh maybe it will feel like more I feel more possible to, to travel etc um, again besides COVID but um, yeah so I think about like I don't fully know like my how my family's got to um, where we are here but I could definitely guess that money is a factor <clears throat> both from a place of like privilege and money I could guess that because to be able to like immigrate is like very privileged oftentimes like as white people immigrating somewhere um, and then I can also guess that it's sort of this idea of like to go set up these lives that are seemingly better in, you know, in so-called Canada. Um, and uh, yeah, so I kind of lost your question, but those that was just the thought that was exploding inside of me to, to think about. Uh, oh, you were talking about sort of belonging within. Yeah, and I feel like very much like <clears throat> it's been something where I've really had to... Um, because a lot of times I would think about like Polish culture and Portuguese cu culture as being very um, Catholic, very much like particularly because um, I think in Polish culture, it's like as I learn more and more, I see how like there's a lot of like Catholicism, but there's also a lot of like um, um, folk magic that is part of like Catholicism and also part of sort of daily um daily life there or to kind of mark different times um and then also in and actually I would say in in what I understand for like a lot of like Portuguese culture as I'd known it was really like you know even things I would go to cultural events they would be at the Portuguese church like they would be at the Catholic church and um and so it's like all these things kind of like revolving and connected to Catholicism and yeah and then I feel like I'm this like 
weirdo, you know, it's like, it's like, I'm queer, I'm kinky and these things, even like, you know, I'd go to like uh, a family funeral and I'd be like, oh God, you can like see the tattoos on me. Like everyone's going to think I'm so weird and everyone's staring and who is this person? And, you know, and, um, and like sometimes people like kind of looking at me and then they see like, you know, me go talk to my, my grandma who's been part of that church for a long time and is well known and being like, oh my God, that person is related to listen to, you know, kind of like looking and trying to figure this out and, um, and yeah, and really trying to like not, um, not feel like, uh, shamed of myself and not feel like I actually have a place within, within culture. And I think more and more as I also like, you know, just even through kind of the magic of like connecting with other folks and the magic of like, um, social media and meeting people and seeing things and being like, oh, there's like tons of queer kinky leather folks which is all over all over you know Poland and and um and and Portugal and um yeah so it really feels like it's something that I am very conscious of and it also is something that I um really actively like have to work at trusting that I belong somewhere um, or can be like a part of something that I can actually claim and then not just claim like my lineage but also feel claimed by my lineage I think those two things as I really understand and, and knowing that it's not like I need to be like is the like you know the the um, priest at the Lady of Fatima church gonna accept me it's like I don't know I don't care <laughs> like Oh, I mean, very much so. The idea that there's some sort of representative arbiter of belonging and to gain acceptance, you have to... I mean, so much of how Catholicism and capitalism, as in its reflection of that, like, have these power structures, you know, like, uh, Daddy God at the top, who then has representatives from there that sort of, like, carry down and reflect the way power is distributed like down you know into the patriarchal family structure yeah totally yeah okay so also the piece that you mentioned about going to thailand it's so <laughs> it makes me think of those maps we had to draw in like maybe grade three social studies that showed the triangle of resource extraction of like sugar comes from here and fur and lumber come from here and it all goes to Europe and all the profits and proceeds are extracted and refined in such a way that everyone around like on all of the sides of the exchange remain disconnected from their resources as well as from the relationship with how that resource is exchanged and so like in a contemporary context that idea that spiritual fulfillment or connection or belonging is like a product that is exported from Southeast Asia, like stolen and co-opted. Uh, and at the same time, someone who's from there is not granted that in the ways that like racism plays into creating this facade of culture as a product. Yeah. And just like, actually like <clears throat> thinking about the, yeah, truly, like, 
what comes from the land, what comes from like the people. And there was, um, I was at a, a gathering a little while ago in Denver and um, the Unabashed Conference and one of the, um, uh, I, I would say they did sort of like the opening ritual, I would say, a person named Lady Speech. And they would, uh, they were talking about like with colonization, the, the first thing that colonization comes after is people's gods. And that's something that's really struck with me so much. And then in one, one of the interviews, I think the person you interviewed or you were in conversation with is, is it Rhea? Mm-hmm. Rhea? Yeah. So she was talking about, or I think the two of you were talking about this thing and I, I like was laughing a little because it was saying about, you know, you're kind of like in the, in the grind and then it's like, you're like, oh, you can't like do this thing to like take care of yourself or that's like that's like the treat or the reward rather than that's just like kind of what you could like be in sync with in daily life and I yeah I was really thinking about that like um like actually just being like oh if I could just be like and I feel like I have a pretty like like a pretty um uh happening you know that's really energized sort of magic and ritual in my life and fuck do I ever wish that I could like really like like just have that be like actually how I live my life you know like I wish that I could truly feel like I was in this like witch's wheel of the year and I could always be like um like like everything I do could kind of have threads from that versus that it's like in it's kind of they're small all the time and then I have some times where it gets to be much bigger and more explicit and then I um yeah and I I, and then definitely times where it's like nowhere in my sight you know I'm because I'm like hyper focused on being like I need to get this report done and I have to you know on this spreadsheet and they're doing this thing and um yeah and it's just like oh my gosh I think that like um like, like in the last few years, really thinking about like, um, being in this place where you kind of just like, you can plan a little bit, but you also got to just sometimes go with what's here. And I think that was something that I really started to think about with, with COVID and and many things is like, what can I, like, I don't want to live in the future as much as I do you know because it's actually like it's you never get there and um and so I really yeah thinking about like um what can I I've been thinking a lot about uh what can I like kind of simplify in my life and what can I um just make really easy like the stuff that these like like doing a report or doing these things like how can I just simplify that stuff and I'm like I'm not gonna give that my all I'm gonna get the task done and then I'm gonna actually like find the things that I actually want to like savor and really be in and immerse in and um and I definitely like ebb and flow at being like really solid in that practice and then sometimes I'm like you know to pull it on my hair being like ah, I'm doing this thing and I'm I'm putting too much energy in this thing and have to kind of like pull myself back from it and um yeah and it's funny too because I think a lot of my I'm sure this is like 
absolutely a product of like white supremacy and white saviorism and I, I feel a lot of like responsibility about like kind of tending to other folks needs and so it's something where it's like oh shit like what would I be like if I didn't have to do that you know and so that it's like because if it's not like I would just be like I got everything I need it's like oh if we all have what we need then it was like truly my my existence would be different because our existence w- would all be different and um yeah and I think about like I feel actually a lot of um joy like for me part of like in in kink I as a part of like um uh yeah as part of like very much like submission for me and part of like my identity and part of the way I love being with people is through acts of service and it's like like to be able to do those in ways that aren't like do acts of service that are not connected to like making money or work I mean I feel feel like part of what that describes is you know, the way of thinking about or looking at consent where your yes is only as meaningful as your ability to say no. So much of our how our society operates, we don't actually have the opportunity to opt out of so much of this stuff. So choosing to do it or not is sort of an illusion. Like, do you, do you want to riff on consent a bit? Yeah, totally. I... Um... I am someone who it's like um, my way of being for a long time I won't even try and guess the root of it I'm sure there's many but um, is really to like appease to other people and that's like been a very well paved path for me for um, a long time and that's like you know folks who I'm in kind of close relationships with but also like in my work or it's like you know I'm someone who I'm like always if I'm walking down the street and there's someone you know moving towards me I would be conscious to be like I'm gonna like move out of the way and so they can just keep doing their thing and so um and that's really uh not been good for a lot of reasons in my life um sometimes it's been it's been good where you know in the sense that and maybe I shouldn't say good but it's been useful where I can be aware of myself and those you know things that where it makes sense but it does it doesn't always and um like I think that um yeah I think that like being able to um have a lot of thoughtfulness for me around like what is my choice and what I do and like I've noticed um particularly in the last year I feel like this like maybe even it feels like it's been like growing for me this thing about like actually saying like no or not right now or let me think about this or like let's is is I what are you trying to get at and what what does make sense for me like really trying to like that negotiating and kind of like the the dance of consent to see like where are things actually at right now and um and it's been so great like I was gonna do um I was gonna do a, a workshop series with someone and it was actually just not, um, there was lots of things that were just sort of, uh, they, they just weren't clicking. And so I actually opted out of it and it was really hard to do because I was like, oh, is this person going to hate me? And my, all these things that I'm like, so, you know, this worries about it or like, oh, did I like stop this opportunity happening for them? Like all these things where it was like, I was like really going with this story of like, what is it? 
or I'm, I'm, I'm harming them or, or hurting them or something that's actually like, oh, if I actually can say, okay, I'm going to trust that, um, that how it actually happened, like they had opportunity, I was listening to them, they had opportunity and say they're in this conversation too. So I also don't want to like scoop that away from them with like my story. And then actually it was like coming back to myself to be like, oh, I actually feel really like if I just think, what did I need to do, make that decision about like, oh, I actually feel really good about what I did because there were certain things where I just don't think we were like a match to work together. And that's like, that's great. You know, you're not going to just, you're not going to take every opportunity that comes. And I think that's also a very like scarcity feeling of like, oh, what if something better doesn't happen? And, you know, and it's actually also this thing of like, oh, actually something that really has been working well has come into play. And it's it's nothing about that other person or that word, uh, it was something bad. It was like, actually just some things don't work and maybe we don't need to like try to like, um, force something to happen which is you know the word force and consent like thinking about those together right so it's um and it's like a a feeling where I think too about like when I remember kind of you know in that process and this is something not just in that process but really like like that consent of like my own spirit and body and like my mind and you know everything that's kind of telling me like oh something doesn't feel right but I'm like oh I feel like I have to do this thing I feel like I have to do this thing and um yeah and so I think like like overall like kind of taking that as like current um very useful learning in my life to be you know in, in my in my day job in kind of all aspects of my life and be like oh if I don't actually want to do this thing and it's like it's like really connecting to like the reason why and it's like I don't know I think it's because I'll be like worried that I'm like oh am I lazy am I not doing enough and it's like oh my god like I don't even I don't really believe that's true but like why is this sort of chatting in my ear that as though this this true story so um yeah so I think that consent of like ourselves and like what are we going along with and um yeah yeah and there's kind of another another um (laughs) totally different but i'm thinking about it um is like how and and i think i sort of very like dipped my toe into this a little bit at the beginning but this like why i feel like this is such an important um conversation feels important and timely and overdue and useful in so many ways like i really think in like magic and ritual um a lot of a lot of stuff i do is like very much like imagination and i think that like um how important imagination is and one of my teachers my first teachers um, and friend ruby she uh had said you know when we talk like as witches we say like imagine this thing or picture this or vision this or whatever um it's actually like that is something real you know if we're in a ritual and you're like you have this tool you have this this thing it's like that's actually a real thing that you're creating and um and so i think about like actually like like 
in this conversation of like visioning these things like really thinking like oh there's there's this isn't just like a um this will never happen it's actually like what are we actually visioning and what are we sort of planting the seeds or what are we allowing ourselves to truly see so it starts to kind of form and and come to life and and actually become real and and saying these things out you know saying these things out loud can never have them be unsaid we might have new ways of kind of thinking or understanding things which is you know always going to happen um and this now it's like our, our our words and our thoughts and our imagination is so powerful and fuck does imagination ever get like shut down in like adulthood you know or like i'm, I'm putting in air quotes adulthood because i think it's like the myth of adulthood but like <laughs> my gosh like the the magic and what a powerful tool our imagination is yeah yeah i mean yeah. i mean so much so much yeah i mean so much of what drives that is that sense of scarcity and the necessity to sign on to things that we don't actually feel nourished by or connected with but it relies on that disenchantment and the sense that having something better or something different is impossible or unachievable or that like entertaining the idea of something that we may not attain within our lifetime is like lazy or frivolous where thinking about it like living here in the North American reality of like Europeans not recognizing things like food forests or shellfish gardens because they don't have a short cycle turnaround in the ways that like European farming was familiar with. But then, you know, looking at food security in like a bigger picture, longer term way, like, oh, you know, like, like planting fruit trees, you may never eat those fruits, but like, it's not for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing, like about the and then and the 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 slowness or that things take time i think also that like um yeah that everything takes time there was there was a situation that happened recently that i'll kind of talk vaguely about it but there was something where someone like was like oh i don't want to give feedback about that thing because it never changes and i think this was someone who was actually quite in a position of power to like um kind of safely and you know uh, be able to like give this feedback and I was saying to them like I'm really surprised because like maybe it won't change this outcome right now but what about the next time this thing comes up and um and it was like and I and I totally understand where we can just be like you know kind of throw up our hands and fuck this shit and I get that too and I think like there's also something about like understanding that things like yeah they'll take they'll take time and um yeah and I think that like gardening has really been interesting the last few years again just sort of spending time with someone who um is like that's been a big part of like like my partner lives rurally and so the last you know 14 years for them has been a big part of their life and so like learning about that and like I keep thinking right now just they have this peach tree and they grew this peach tree from I think they bought it um when it was about a foot tall and in the last, and this was like maybe when they first moved in, you know, 13, 14 years ago. 
And now it's like they have like a peach tree and like we like climb on their studio shed and you know pick peaches off it in August and it's like I'm like mind blown that it's like a peach tree in you know in this this climate and uh but they they grow and they're there and they're these beautiful small peaches and um and it's like um you know there's some tending to the that the tree needs but it also just needs time and it just needs like um yeah just kind of all these things and just the like knowing that it's like like just 11 months of the year it's kind of doing its thing with like a trim here and there and then it will kind of you know it'll have flowers and it'll have peaches and then it will kind of just be like yeah I'm going back to bed now and it's like this this thing and how it's like doesn't need to be maybe this is the maybe this is the thing for me it doesn't need to be like producing like all year round it actually just like does its thing and it's like and it's like feels like it's like it's special and it's like I think everyone that comes over to like their home I'm always like there's a peach tree in the backyard <laughs> like I feel like I'm like a five-year-old being like just in awe about this and um yeah but it's just like I don't know it feels like so special and um yeah but it's like it's not not you can't rush it we can't make it grow peaches in January you know and it's like and it shouldn't and um yeah and I think about that like the I don't know if we were actually just more in, in sync with like our bodies as bits of nature and like what we actually need and um yeah well, and the like small peaches, it also makes me think of how so much of what we have come to understand as food or normal or like whatever the most accessible things that we can go and buy at the grocery store or whatever time of the year, that, you know, they're out of thousands of varieties of fruits. Like the ones that are available are the ones that are the most shippable. And like not necessarily the most flavorful or nutritious. And then, like, you know, thinking about traditions that we may have had or that maybe our ancestors had that didn't appeal to, like, a more mixed palate. Like, that's sort of a niche thing. And, like, you won't really find it exported outside this specific cultural context because there isn't a market for it. Or it just doesn't ship, right? Like, you have something like salmon berries. Like, you could make jam or something, but you can't just go to a store and buy a box of salmon berries because, like, they just don't hold up right yeah um, there's some there's like an italian grocery store in vancouver and um it's a pretty like fancy grocery store and um they were selling last summer they were selling figs from italy like flown in from italy and like vancouver is like infested with fig trees in, yeah, a, in a beautiful way <laughs> abundance but they were selling ones and they were like I think there was like, you know, a box of 12 for like $20 or something. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what? Like, why? And I was like, maybe it feels special. And I was like, probably the, I mean, I don't know enough about the plants of figs, but I was like, probably the figs, I don't know, someone probably flew them in from Italy or something, you know, that's how they all got here. And like, truly, I have no idea if that's true at all. But regardless, it was just like mind blowing to be like, and it was like in the height of like fig season and I just was like why would you spend like 
a dollar fifty on one fig. Like like who is who is purchasing this? What rich person is purchasing these figs? It's it makes no sense to me, but so much of what we could have and have been deluded to believe doesn't exist is a part of this idea that like we have to buy it from somewhere else meanwhile we're like exporting raw logs where it's like just on the in and the out of this function yeah <laughs> yeah my grandma so my Portuguese grandma, my Vava, she, this is like, I don't think she's been back to Portugal just as, like since my grandpa died, so like 25 or something years ago. Um, but she, there's like this story of her. And so I'm going to like just sort of tuck aside the fact that she's like a white woman traveling and clearly lots of privilege there. And she tried to bring, um, she like packed her carry-on suitcase from Portugal back to Vancouver full of like Portuguese sausage because in Vancouver there was a store that actually you could buy Portuguese sausage um, that uh, yeah that was like one place it was like this family-run market for the last you know 60 years and it closed a few years ago but um, but it's literally the, the one place you can buy it like pack like kind of vacuum packaged you know now but this was like the place where it literally it was like they were just hanging you know from from the ceiling or whatever um but yeah my grandma like packed her packed her luggage with it and then and my grandma like she she speaks um some english but like portuguese is her is her language and um and so she like got in a big fight to be like you can't take away my sausages and she was like so set on this and i just was like oh my gosh like this is something where i'm sure for her she just was trying to be like get access to this thing that's not so like readily available you know and that would have been like from where you know like she had lived in portugal she must have moved to canada when she was like 40 or something um but it's this yeah something i think about like that like trying to hold hold on to something and it's like feels much more ethical for my grandma to like bring a personal batch with, back with her than like even things to be like gonna get it shipped or you know what I mean in this whole other way so but just trying to like I don't know find it I'm sure that um connection through food and comfort and and if I know my grandma it would have been you know um shared and even you know trying to share it with her vegetarian grandkids at the time <laughs> you have to add this I brought this, it all the way back yeah yeah she'd just be like yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. Okay, so you, I, I think you know I really like TV and movies, and I just finished watching a show from Poland called Sexify. Okay, I never heard about it. Um, um, which means nothing, but just commenting. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a show about these young women in Poland who are working on developing an app to help women initially understand their bodies and understand pleasure and be more sexually empowered but it's happening within the context of poland and you know like conservative catholicism and a typically sex negative sex negative stigmatized and like very patriarchal norm um yeah i mean i think you'd enjoy it i know we've shared some media previously that like this is on a really different perspective 
but of our lineage that you know it's it's really different than what we may have gotten from our like very straight and colonized grandparents um yeah totally mm, cool that's so cool and it's like i think that's been such an interesting thing actually is like the like i mean obviously you know i'm not gonna be like watch one show and be like no i understand the culture 100 percent um but it's a cool thing like actually how we get to like see such a variety and um and just feel so important like i think about like american tv and movies is like pretty limiting you know especially ones that get more uh attention it's like what the big movie is at the time and it's like wow is this is this telling you what's going on with like you know the kind of over culture and um yeah that's that's cool to think about mm-hmm. when it ties back to how much we're expected to submit to reporting structures and like participating in business as usual where like the media that gets funded and makes its way to where we can access it it's like made by people who are willing to play the game yeah totally it's oh gosh yeah yeah i'm often like thinking about things with like um musicians especially where i'm always like why is this musician so famous like like i don't understand this or like how is this song when you know there's so many other people that are like really doing you know doing some amazing stuff and then yeah just sometimes it's like how did this person get so famous it's like oh that's like all kinds of things that are you know uh whether it's like desirability or yeah people kind of going along with things or like um I don't know all the all the shit that's sort of behind that so yeah 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 keeping yeah and you know keeping in mind how much media access is tied in with like a propaganda engine yeah absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. um so on that note but also i'll do my own sort of like pew pew so you're an educator right you you do workshops and are connecting people with knowledge and practices that isn't funded and isn't widely accessible. So will you tell people a little bit about what that part of your side work is? Yeah, for sure. So I do a lot of um, kind of workshops and classes and gatherings and rituals and teachings, um, mostly connected to magic of some of some form um i sometimes teach classes that are connected in through like the reclaiming witchcraft um communities and and part of um uh yeah different classes and witch camps and and rituals um and sometimes i just do my own thing or sometimes i connect with other folks so i've done different rituals around like um kind of uh rope and bondage and magic um last summer i did a bunch of like leather queer um leather care park hangouts which was really great um and i think like yeah everything i would do there's it's like 100 percent. there's always a sliding scale that always will start at zero um and i really yeah trust folks to um you know consider kind of their their um access and funds etc 
Um, and yeah, it's like, that's the stuff that even as I talk about it, I feel this like buzziness in my chest of like excitement of like, oh, this is like when I really think about like, like what I want to do, kind of do quotations, um, uh, as like kind of life work. It's like this kind of ritual and magic. And, um, and I, um, you know, I'm in the midst right now of teaching um, a class called Elements of Magic. So it's like a six week class. Every week is connecting to a different um, different element and it ends with a big um, class led ritual. And so a lot of the things that, you know, I have like teachings that are around this particular stream of witchcraft that are like, you know, um, water is connected to this, is about this, this is the thing we do. And so a lot of things that I've really, um, explicitly in the last few years have brought into workshops and, and teachings and things I'm doing is to encourage folks to um, consider like what is part of your own lineage that you would bring in um, what are some things that we might that may have been commonly done within our communities that we might kind of look at as like oh maybe there's some like appropriation or not all of us have kind of cultural access to that so what are some ways that that we do or there might be things that you might be like this is like um, a deity that I work with that is from you know the lineage I'm connected to and um, so I might bring them into this space today but maybe that's not the deity that you will sort of take away and then have you know this sort of connection with but um, yeah so that's really like um, and I do like tarot and divination readings um, as well and yeah, and I really, I love the one-on-one so much and I really, really, really love group stuff. Like I feel like with group stuff, it's like, I just like, like, I feel like it's like totally not about like me at all. Actually, I'm just like so excited to like be in spaces where I like, usually I create spaces that I want to be part of. And so it's like, um, yeah, that's like something really special and kind of like, um, witnessing folks like in their magic in different ways and um and yeah and I just think like I don't know just like yeah like a bit of respite and I I love a, a kind of facilitated space because um it's like like there's sort of a containment there and it allows folks to like go into that especially if it feels like I don't know how to access that kind of magic or ritual or I don't make time for it on my own but when there's like a beginning and end and it's like a set time with other people I want to be there and like immersed in it and um all these kinds of things that just feel really special to be um yeah really special to be part of and um and I don't pretend to you know be um someone everyone would want to work with and I always have lots of great suggestions if there's other folks you know people are looking for to do work with um and yeah but that's really like my 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 future plan which feels more and more possible and I'm allowing it to be more possible is to have that be like kind of um you know the the, the paid work that I do in in this lifetime is sort of the the main work that I do so yeah I'm gonna say that out loud and plant that seed as a little wish yeah. yeah, so a few of the things that I have coming up are um, 
in a few weeks on, I think it's the Saturday or Sunday, I'm going to be doing a ritual that it's actually a fundraiser for one of the other witch camps, the Spiral Heart Witch Camp. Um, I'll share my website so folks could find me there too. Um, but it's, it's just called the Love Ritual and it's this ritual that I've done and I, and I always do things a little bit different. It's rare that I would do the same thing and kind of it always would be the same. Um, but I've done sort of different versions of this and so it's a love ritual and I really want it to be just before Valentine's Day to also think about like an expansive way of thinking about love. Um, it's, it's online, it's guided. Um, I want to, uh, it, it's like a sliding scale and you can also donate to the, to the camp as well. Um, and I'm going to be teaching at a witch camp that is called Pleasures of Beltane that's happening in the spring in California. Um, it's like a sex and kink and genderful uh, celebration for four days. Um, it's, um, uh, and then I really want to get back to, I had done a bunch of, I think you had attended maybe one or two of the welcome back rituals. So this was like a kind of ritual about just sort of like reconnecting with yourself and the season and through, um, lots of folks are using like, um, rope and bondage, but, you know, I always invite folks to do any kind of like movement or journaling or, you know, I always say like, if you want to knit, you can. Um, so yeah, so I want to plan Knitting, knitting is just micro, micro bondage, bondage right? right. <laughs> it's actually, <laughs> actually true. Um, but yeah, and I, um, I'm sure there's other things that I'm just kind of blanking out on right now, but, um, but my, my website, it's just, um, Sharon is here.com. Um, and I'm also really active on Instagram. Um, oh, what's my Instagram? I just changed it. It's Sharon Pink is here. So yes, Sharon Pink is here. Um, and yeah, and I really try to keep like my website and Instagram sort of connected and up to date. Um, but I probably need to add some of those things that I just talked about. Um, yeah, and I also like love doing um rituals with folks or like small groups of people as well so it's something i'm definitely available um to do that's been a really special thing to be able to do including like um wedding initiations and um uh different sort of stages of life celebrations um uh death rituals all kinds of things i've supported so yeah i uh... I recently reviewed some of my legal documents and was reminded that I made the official legal declaration that you shall facilitate such end of or post life things on my behalf. And I was like, oh yeah, that was a good choice. That's yeah, that was a really good choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. And if it ever changes, I respect your choice. And I hope that happens um, in many, many years from now. So, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> And that we get to share rituals based like many times between now and then. Yes, between now. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Were there other things that had pewed their way into your imagination that we haven't gotten to yet? I think I'll just say it really short is that I think uh, the more time for creating and witnessing um art truly of all kinds it's like to really like prioritize that because it's like kind of like 
probably most good things in life is art of some kind. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been doing some cool things uh, to bring that together, right? Like, do you want to talk a bit about your modeling, like, rope drawing thing? Oh, yeah. It's, it's funny to think of modeling. Well, that's something that actually is really beautiful. So me and Shell, my partner, we um, last... This last March, I guess 10 months ago, we went to the Leather Archives and Museum in Chicago, which is the city that um, Shell grew up in. And we did um, like a performance there. So it was like, we'll call it an experiment. Um, and so it was like, I just did like self-tying and bondage and they, um, and they, they're an artist. And so they like did um, figure drawings um, with uh, like chalk and pastel chalk I'm sure they would have a better better word for them me sorry shell um and uh it was just this beautiful experience and it yeah felt really special to be in that space and have those like those pictures are all part of the leather archives now and um and there's a recorded um uh performance as well I think the link is through my like on my website through the events and stuff um or it's like it's on the leather archives website um, and, uh, and actually on Friday, um, in Abbotsford, there's a gallery called The Reach, which is a really, um, lovely, progressive, really beautiful gallery. Um, and there's a show, um, curated by, um, a friend named Candace and, uh, it's called The Body. And so Shell has like, I think four pieces, um, of some of the rope, which, um, some of the, the rope and tying figure drawings that they did just like because we didn't just do this as like a performance like we actually would just do this at home like just you know it's like Tuesday night for fun um so those were there too and I think that's something that's been really really special like Shell their day job is teaching um at uh, at a university and they they teach a lot of different things but including figure drawing and um and painting and so um yeah so that's been a really special thing to like share and make and be part of art and i, I don't feel like a performer at all so i but i um uh but it felt like ritual and so that's what felt, has felt so special about it and then to see these pic like i've never had anyone draw pictures of me before it's like bizarre to see this like sketch that is like oh shit there's my face and there's my body and it's like i can see myself in it and so it's the whole, uh, a whole interesting experience. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've done figure modeling a couple of times and it's always really interesting. One of my observations from the classes I've done where you have like short sittings and then like progressively longer ones. And one of my observations as a trans person is that like sometimes in those really short sittings, what's drawn is like really just the outside shape. You know, and I modeled a couple of times when I was pregnant and the outside shape of my body that doesn't get to have any of the like secondary characteristics added on that doesn't really feel representative for me. And also like when someone gets just a short glimpse, like that could be what they see. And then carrying that forward to knowing that what I see of someone else in a short glimpse, like in passing, it's so surface, right? And the idea that the, the picture that I put together it just leaves out details that you you can't get in a two minute drawing but like might start to come out in like a 10 or a 20. it was like and i've done some drawing classes with with shell like outside of their school but 
um, and just kind of teachings they've shared. And one of the things is that often with drawing, like um, people will be like, I'm, you know, I'm going to draw this water bottle. I'm holding a water bottle in front of me um, for the visual. Uh, I'm going to draw this water bottle. And then you might start drawing a water bottle, but you don't draw this water bottle, you know? So I have a little elastic on this and maybe you would be like, oh, there's an elastic. So I'm going to draw that. But I'm, but then actually being like, oh no, what is this actually doing right now? Versus like trying to be like, I'm going to draw this thing or I'm going to try to shadow something, but it's like, oh no, actually try to draw the shadow that's like actually there, you know, or the little dents that are actually there and trying like, like do them in this way. And it's, it's a very interesting thing because it, it's like, um, I mean, my experience of that too is like uh, where I can actually, maybe this is like a, anything where you actually are like, you are present with whatever is in front of you rather than the story you're kind of going into our mind or our, um, yeah, the kind of made up story about it, but actually there and present with that thing in, in front of you. So um, yeah, it's just a little... It's a, it's, it's a beautiful tangent, and I think that it's probably, probably a good place for us to, yeah. to round 